Hello, beautiful. You are listening to episode 62 of the Africana Woman podcast. Chulu is my name. I'm a writer, self-branding coach, entrepreneur, and mentor. This show is the home of African women's stories. We share ideas, triumphs, challenges, and lessons from our perspective as women. Our library is a step to cementing our place in history. Her story, your story, is powerful. Thank you so much for tuning in. Welcome to all the new listeners and welcome back to the Africana Woman family. Please hit the subscribe button or visit AfricanaWoman.com to become an official Africana Woman visionary. Today we're talking about a topic that is really dear to my heart, which is... <laughs> I love me some good food. Lucia Nama from Zimbabwe is the founder of Cities on a Plate. Undeniably, African food is the best food in the world. Therefore, I have beef with the way our food is treated like a non-entity. Like, what? Have you ever watched, you know, these famous cooking competitions and you see an African contestant, you know, um, enter the competition. But have you noticed for that African to go further in the competition, they have to be skilled in classical training. And I'm saying that with like, you know, um, quotes, quotes, you know, um, so the classical training, which is basically, you know, French cooking styles and techniques. Michelin, doesn't even cover African restaurants. Did you know that? Most likely, if you've seen an African who has a Michelin rating, their restaurant is actually located in any other continent than Africa. So you know what? Before I rant on for too long, because <laughs> we know that's possible, listen to this beautiful conversation about why African food should be celebrated. Enjoy. Born and raised in Zimbabwe, Lucia graduated Phi Beta Kappa from Wellesley College in 2011 with a BA in studio art. She completed her MFA in visual art in 2015 from Carnegie Mellon University. Through video, printmaking, performance, and edible sculpture, she draws on her own evolving experiences of citizenship as one of the main influences in her work. Lucia represented Zimbabwe at the 10th Recontre de Bamako, African Biennial of Photography. I hope I'm getting that right. <laughs> Second tongue twister. And video in Mali. And was awarded a prix spécial for her retrospective video piece, Portrait of a Decade, Zimbabwe, 1999 to 2009. Her work has also been exhibited in Brazil, the USA, Tunisia, Italy, Cuba, Senegal, and South Korea. She's currently based in Nairobi, Kenya, where she parlayed a rash of quarantine cooking during the 2020 lockdown into a delectable discussion series called Cities on a Plate that relishes in the intersections of food, culture, and society. With a global audience and an eclectic roster of panelists, ranging from gastrophysicists and chefs to filmmakers and entrepreneurs, Cities on a Plate has grown into a delicious celebration of creativity, innovation, and hope. 
So Lucia, welcome to the Africana Woman Mike. I'm very excited you're here. You're all about things that I love, food and art. <laughs> welcome. Fantastic. Thank you, Chulu. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Okay, so let's get right into it. So you are from Zimbabwe, but um, as we've just heard, you have such a a wonderful experience of the world. But let's take it back a little bit. Tell us a little bit about what is your favorite memory from growing up in Zimbabwe? Mm, My favorite memory... Growing up in Zim. So I would have to say all through high school, um, I just have this memory of, you know, Friday, Friday evening, and my mom is taking out like a fresh batch of um, sausage rolls from the oven. (laughs) That's a pretty good memory of mine. Um, As as I've gone on and, and, and traveled, I think I really took, um, I really took Zimbabwean weather for granted. So I just love the fact that the winters are toasty winters, you know, no matter how cold it gets, you have this wonderful toasty sunshine in the afternoon, um, which is not the case. So I think, I think when you grow up in such incredible weather you you take it for granted um and you realize once you travel in other parts of the world that aren't so fortunate that um that we had it really really good so tell us about how did you find yourself drawn to the arts yeah so i i was fortunate enough to have art as a subject um, pretty much through all of my schooling. Um, I think there's one particular class I do remember in primary school, which is um, uh, for the benefit of your, well, I guess I don't know who exactly your audience is, but I guess primary school, yeah, before high school. Um, I remember we had to draw this flower and, and I just remember before art was something we kind of used to just chat about, um, like sort of just chat through. But um, but I just remember kind of really focusing in on drawing this, you know, flower still life and spending time on it and it actually looking good in the end. And I think that's just kind of where my sort of love affair with, with art um, came from, you know, doing something and realizing, okay, um, you know, I have a thing for this. Um, I think after high school, deciding to study in the States and do liberal arts and sciences um, took me back to art. I don't think I would have been a studio art major was it not for being in a syllabus that is pretty broad, you know, um, and allows you to do a whole bunch of different things before you even have to declare, you know, a major. Um, you know, I probably would have just done, you know, philosophy and linguistics or something like that. But um, yeah, so that kind of got me back to back to doing it. And it was actually um, uh, my first year. So winter session, we had 
uh, volunteer opportunity in New Orleans um, with Habitat for Humanity. And um, you go and you do different tasks as a group. So you might be working on a house one day, working in an animal shelter the next day. And one of the teams I was on was painting murals in these schools that had been displaced. So now they were in these trailer compounds um, that just didn't really have any flowers around. You know, it was just sort of rock, um, you know, stone on gravel on the ground. Um, and the murals, it was just a really powerful experience. Um, and I think, yeah, and that's, that's what got me back on the studio art path after that experience. Um, and then I started with, you know, drawing 101 at Wellesley <laughs> and then majored. Yeah. You know, I was actually, when you were talking about your experience when you were a child, I was thinking, wow, and she went and majored in arts. I wonder what her parents said. <laughs> oh, that was my yeah. first thought. Because right. I was thinking, they must have been like panicking, like, is she going to make money? Like, will she have food on her table? <laughs> Oh my God. You know what? You know what? You know, that's so funny because at Wellesley, it was this weird thing of, you know, everyone is like of the African students, usually like pre-med or in the sciences, you know, then Alicia was there, you know, studio art major. But um, I actually, I actually have an incredible set of parents who are just like not the norm. Um, so right from the beginning I just never felt any pressure to, um, you know, pursue any particular path. It was always just about excellence and doing whatever you're doing, doing it really well. So I, I was really fortunate in that. Um, yeah, there was never any pressure from that, um, from that quarter. And actually, every time I'd come home, a lot of my work at Wellesley had to do with Zim. So, you know, a lot of my life as a student and, you know, for example, for my thesis project was about going home during the summers, going home during the breaks to collect footage, you know, um, research in the National Archives and collect information and make the work once I'm back at school. So, you know, my mom was like my production assistant, associate producer, costume, you know, director. She's she's pretty cool. Anything, um, you know, that I needed to try and make this costume, you know, the, the hot pink costume that I was rolling around the national um, rocks, uh, Chiremba rocks uh, monument, you know, my mom helped me make that. Um, yeah. So very supportive. I've, I've been very lucky in that respect. That's nice. That's nice to hear. So, um, so you finished with um, with college, and then you went on to do your MFA in visual arts. But after that, what what were your expectations of where your career would go? Yeah, so I started off wanting to do an MFA because I wanted to teach. Um, like at the university level. Um, and then uh, with my move to um, Zim, I think I found myself also quite ready to um, leave, I suppose. I think, I think a lot of people do, well, 
um, yeah, I've no, I have noticed in some, some friends, you sort of get to this point where you are kind of just like ready to leave, <laughs> um, uh, the States, I mean, uh, you know, leave the States. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So the, the, the sort of idea was to, you know, practice, um, practice as an artist basically. Um, and, you know, have this credential to be able to teach at the, university level. Alrighty. So tell us a little bit about how Cities on a Plate was born. Yeah, so um, the Cities on a Plate series was born really out of, just out of a lot of quarantine cooking um, last year, where we found ourselves in lockdown and suddenly I was starting to mine recipes from my childhood, um, you know, messaging my mom asking for, you know, like her scone recipe or, um, you know, suddenly having a hankering for, you know, a burrito, you know, when I hadn't thought about a burrito in like really five years since I'd left. And so suddenly I was, um, just trying to recreate dishes from, you know, the different places in the world that I'd lived in and traveled to. Um, because we just found ourselves in this moment where we couldn't go anywhere, right? We were, we were just like locked down. Um, so, yeah, and then um, everyone was Zooming um, and uh, Wellesley sort of, um, the food affinity group had this um, uh, um, sort of Zoom, um, you know, exploring. Um, there was an alum exploring Italian food, and I thought to myself, oh, I'd love to do this with like West Africa. Um, and so we started with a crown, a plate, and part of that was an ode to Wellesley. Um, you know, I think Wellesley for me was really where certainly my first taste of jollof rice, right, from my Ghanaian friends, um, first, first plantain. Um, so really, Wellesley really opened up my, you know, Southern African palate to this whole new range of flavors and, um, you know, taste sensations, um, you know, that I hadn't had before. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I I know what you mean when you're saying, um, you know, how Wellesley introduced you to all these different um, dishes from other African countries. Um, for example, when I went to UWC, I was just <laughs> so excited to eat all the different foods. And yeah. uh, my best friend um, is from Cameroon and uh, she's... Um, well, she's also British, so her family uh, was up in North Wales, so would go there, and her mom would just be cooking like a storm. She'd have the, you know, jollof rice, she'd have the plantains. Though I was just like in heaven. I was just like, where, where, mm. what have I been missing? <laughs> Why? Oh. You've been missing so okay. much. I know, I know. So how many have you done? How many of the Cities on a Plate series have you done? Yeah, so we have done two. I actually want to count them properly for you. 
Um, let's see. Okay, so London was our sixth, and then we did um, Cape Town, seven, eight. So we are going on our eighth with um, with Lagos. So we've done about seven, and we're going on our eighth now. Um, yeah. That's impressive. So tell us how it works. If somebody was to join, how do they join and what should they expect? Um, you said that there's uh, panelists that come through. So what what is the environment like? Right. So um, each city's on a plate iteration is basically conducted on, on Zoom. Um, you register for the meetings. Um, the sessions last about roughly an hour in total. They're typically segmented into three conversational presentations shared between three, you know, panelists with me as the host. Um, and one of the segments is usually a live culinary demo. So depending on what the theme is, um, we have someone actually giving a live demo um, on Zoom. Um, yeah. So the everyone, every city, the, the themes sort of change slightly, but basically these are people who are changing the national cul culinary landscape in some sort of way, um, changing the national landscape in some sort of way through food. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, so each session is is really just a, a different um, sort of selection of, um, you know, change makers and taste makers. Um, yeah, and hopefully, you know, we learn something, we learn something new or something we hadn't thought about. What I love about the series is it's kind of, yeah, it's gotten me to think about things that I kind of A, didn't know about, but it's also made me a more conscious um, person um, just in terms of, you know, thinking about where I live and the produce that comes from there or, you know, even something simple like, you know, who makes, who, who uh, actually bottles raw honey? You know, am I actually eating proper honey? You know, um, did I actually know what raw honey, you know, the difference between pure honey and raw honey was before we, we spoke to an incredible beekeeper from South Africa, um, Mukhadi Mabela, um, who's one of the sort of only black female commercial beekeepers in the country. So I, I just love it when I'm chatting to people afterwards and I can see the sort of changes or the, the, the way it's made me think uh, in relation to my own life. Um, yeah. You have said that food can act as a tool for collective healing and self-discovery. Please expand on that. Yeah. Um, so I think with a lot of the people I've um, been able to feature, um, it's been really interesting to uh, see you know, because food is never really just about, um, like food is never really just food. Food is sort of, it's, it's, 
you know, cooking is a political act in some ways, you know, um, but the food we eat has also got connections to like who we are in a sense of identity. And um, so it's been interesting in the case of people who are, for example, using indigenous um, ingredients, for example, in, you know, gourmet, like artisanal hand um, churned ice cream, um, what that is meant to sort of say about our sort of collective self-esteem, making us think about traditional ingredients in different ways. Um, so the person I'm talking about is, is Tapiwa Guja in, in Cape Town and his Tapi Tapi ice cream. Um, or, for example, you know, we've also had, um, you know, winemakers on the program who've... Um, you know, Tinashe Nyamudoka, who is, whose wine is called Gumusha, wine, which means home, um, you know, your roots, your origin. Um, you know, just talking about, for example, fighting the perception that because it's been made by someone who um, is black and who isn't usually the profile of someone who'd be making wine, you know, sort of dealing with people's suspicions about the implications of that on the quality of the wine, for example, or, um, yeah, but I think, um, yeah, yeah. So that's, so that's really been interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, there's so many things that, uh, come to mind when you, you know, you're talking about it, you know, I was having a conversation, um, with somebody the other day and she was talking about how, um, we imported so many things, including fast food and obesity. And that just really leads to how people have just sort of put aside the, the indigenous foods and, you know, they're just rushing and flocking for all of these um, imported foods and, uh, imp- well, you know, unhealthy ways of cooking foods and stuff. So, and it really does make me sad because I feel like there's so much, um, there's so much uh, wealth and history in the, the foods that we, are, like the indigenous foods, you know, and right. um, I think even just the thought of, you know, let's say with supermarkets that have a product available year round and you're like, no, I really enjoyed just, you know, when we were younger, everything was seasonal. So you knew that, okay, Mm. come December, it's mango season. We're going to hammer those mangoes. (laughs) Right. right, And then, you know, come this next, then it goes on and on. But when you have everything in abundance, you know, and it's like, you know, you don't really appreciate those moments, those those right. times and memories that you're sharing with the people that you're eating with as well, you know? And I also just right. love um, how you, food, especially in, um, in, you know, African countries really just brings people together in just from the preparation, mm-hmm. you know, um, for example, um, you know, whether it's groundnuts, um, you know, you have to pound them or whether it's um, a certain type of vegetable and you're all just sitting, picking, picking them off the stems and all of that, you know, but Mm. you're kind of like 
forced to be in this communal setting, having conversations, like real conversations and not just on, you know, everybody's on their devices type of situation. But it really did create um, these opportunities for connection and building real relationships, creating memories, you know, and it was all around food. So, you know, in the preparation and then even when it's time to eat and the, the, um, the rituals around, you know, how we eat and, you know, who gets to eat first or who eats what. <laughs> There's all these different stories right. and stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, and there's just so much richness in there that's that's just slowly getting lost. And it really does right. make me sad, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or even just something like... Um, you know, also just being able to watch, you know, a rom-com, uh, you know, centered on, on, on this cooking show, like um, uh, the movie Cook-Off on, on Netflix, you know, which is the first Zimbabwean film on there. Um, that was also just incredible to um, to see, to say, you know, we also just need films that are not just about, you know, uh you know, suffering under the that that tree that's a silhouette against that sunset. That's the silhouette on every. You know, we also just that's you know why. we also fall in love. There's just more to. I know, right? Just, you know, we also fall in love. We also, you know, you know, yeah, like eating nice things. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. do like eating nice things. I think. Um, what would you say? to the person that wants to discover more about African cuisine? Mm. Well, what's what's really exciting in this digital age, I think, that we're, we're living, and for me, this is something that has been even more, you know, heightened um, with the advent of... <laughs> of this sort of um, intense zooming and, uh, you know, cities format. But I think what's wonderful is there's just so much access now to information really from around the world, from people who are, um, you know, creating stuff um, in that context and presenting it in ways that I think uh 10 years ago, we wouldn't necessarily have seen, you know, um, whether that's, um, yeah, just on Instagram, you know, the blogs, I think it's, I think we, we are really fortunate in that sense now, because even for me, for me, it's it's also been a discovery. Um, I've, I've also discovered people just in that way. Um, So, you know, yeah, so I mean, I mean, stuff is out there, you know. Um, a wonderful, a wonderful example is um, uh, a kitchen in Uganda, uh, the the blog and the Instagram page, which really was just, really just, yeah, presenting Ugandan food in a way that hadn't that it hadn't been photographed before in that way, um, and kind of saying, hey, but but Sophie, you know, often talks about her. Uh, I, I guess the impetus to start creating stuff with 
um, sort of within her own like context and to say, you know, if you want to kind of try and make a recipe um, and you're kind of looking at blogs that have ingredients that maybe are not local to where you are, you know, it's, it's nice to be able to, you know, let's, you know, what does, what does, uh, you know, what does a smoothie look like in my context? You know, it doesn't, yeah. What does, what does something look like that doesn't necessarily, you don't have to have like blueberries on it or, um, yeah. Or, or what are also, you know, people wanting to make stuff speaking also from the Zim perspective of, you know, the increase in like diaspora, you know, um, coming on from the last, um, you know, like starting from the 2000s, um, you know, just even the, the act of actually documenting, okay, we all, okay, we don't all know, but how to make, um, you know, how to cook pumpkin leaves the Zim way and an actual recipe, right? So I think we find ourselves especially maybe having moved away. Um, yeah. Wanting to know like, okay, so, but how much, um, you know, what's the ratio of like tomatoes to, uh, you know, to pumpkin leaves and stuff. So um, it's, it's such an exciting time for that in terms of what's available to us on the digital uh, landscape um, really from, from so many different places. Yeah. You know, there's a while back I was doing some research. I was like, um, cause I really do love food. <laughs> so yeah. I was thinking about, Oh, what's I like, if I go visit a, a country, like let an African country, cause my goal is to visit all the African countries. Well, most of them, let me not lie. Um, yeah. so, <laughs> um, but I was thinking about how I would love to, um, to go to um what you know what would be great so you know i went and checked on um michelin you know like the michelin stars and they don't have they don't cover africa i was like a whole continent what are you on about (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness and it really just made me think that you know it's things like that that make people assume that you know African food cannot be sophisticated, cannot, um, does not, they say, taste food, taste good. They always think it's rustic or it's not refined, but it, it's so frustrating. That's all I can right. say. And I was yeah. just thinking, like, you know, I wish, like, somebody would come up with something equivalent to Michelin, but, you know, just for Africa. And so that we are able to celebrate all these wonderful, amazing, you know, culinary artists that are coming up. And, you know, like, for me, who wants to be traveling and just going all over the show, <laughs> it'd be great to have some sort of guide. <laughs> it's sad yeah. I can't believe yeah. the whole continent is just not considered my goodness anyway yeah <clears throat> okay so do you have any final words that you would uh, want to share about how what food can do for a, a community for an individual or yeah. What are your final thoughts on that? Um, I think, yeah, I think food, 
Uh, it's just really incredible the way food can, I guess, build us in all sorts of ways. Um, yeah, and that it's also never just about what we are eating. Um, I think that's been a really big takeaway um, for me. It's, um, you know, perhaps highlighted by, especially by the 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 gastrophysical episode that, that we had on, on cities, but, you know, this literally, you know, talking literally about, you know, it's, it's about the shape of your plate, you know, the color of the, you know, the music you're listening to, you know, when you're eating and, and, and likewise, just on even on a more metaphorical um, level um, that, um, yeah, it's just such an integral part of us and the way we see ourselves and can be honest. We have come to the end of our conversation. Please let the audience know where can they find you? How can they be part of Cities on a Plate? And yeah, where is the next one? That's a good question. (laughs) Great. Yeah. Find us on Instagram is the best place. Cities.onaplate and our next um, location is Lagos. So we're going to be in Lagos uh, on the 29th of August. And our page on Instagram has the Zoom link for the registration. Um, we're also at cities underscore A on Twitter. So you can also watch past episodes um, on our YouTube page, um, Cities on a Plate. And yeah, enjoy, 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 enjoy. So do you post like the recipes and stuff? Like, like can people go try things out afterwards? You can try. Um, so sometimes it's, it's really chef dependent. Um, there's some chefs who like to give an ingredients list beforehand so people can follow on during the demo. Um, some chefs are just like, no, I want to, I want to demo this. So, um, but you know, really you, you could watch like I do with pencil and pen and, you know, paper in hand and, and be writing down, okay, a hundred grams of this and, you know, put it in the oven by just rewatching the demos. So I often will post the demos, um, on Instagram, on YouTube. Um, yeah, of what we have um, created. And then with some people who are on the panel, actually have recipe books, you know, that you can buy. So, um, yeah, so sometimes it's actually featuring, like, the author of a recipe book, for example. So we have the Orishi Rishi cookbook um, coming up for Lagos on a Plate um, by Mm -hmm. Tola Akerele, um, incredible award-winning interior designer and um, co-founder of Bogobiri Boutique Hotel in Lagos um, that has this Orishi Rishi kitchen. Orishi Rishi is the Yoruba word for variety. So her session, for example, is going to be all about this incredible um, cookbook that she's, that she's authored mm-hmm. that's available internationally and has actually a glossary at the back of where you can find, you know, Nigerian ingredients if you're in the, if you're in the States, if you're in the UK. Um, and it's, it's been amazing because, as you know, I live in Nairobi at the moment and 
they are literally within less than a, what would we say, less than a two kilometer radius. There's like three West African um, shops near me. So, yeah, you know, which is just amazing. So I like, you know, if I really wanted to go for that Agusi soup, I could really, I could really go for it. Oh, yeah, so yeah. lucky. So, so lucky. I mean, just getting plantain is a struggle, you know, <laughs> in Zambia. <laughs> oh, I have, so, I have the same. In, in Harare, it's, it's also, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All we're, right. We're very lucky. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. I loved this conversation because it is so lighthearted in comparison to the topics that we have covered in the past few weeks, right? Um, how about for fun? Let's post our favorite African dish on our stories this week. Make sure you tag me at Chulu by Design or Africana Woman if you're on Facebook or anything else. Let's show the world what they are missing out on. Again, if more of us talk about our food and celebrate it, it will become mainstream. That's it. (laughs) So you know how we do give people their roses right now. Please find Lucia Namo on Instagram at cities.onaplate. Tell her you heard her on the Africana Woman podcast. And of course, you should follow. Just go through it. Just look at those beautiful plates of food. Oh my gosh, your taste buds will be tantalized. Y'all know my playground is Instagram. So find me at Chulu by Design. Tag me, tell your friends about the Africana Woman podcast and let me know what you took away from this episode. Talk to you soon, my darling. This has been a production of Africana Woman Media. Thank you.